Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gals of Geekdom podcast. You are now in hell. You cannot exit. Give me my fucking rent money. I'm joined today by our, by my usual two lovely co-hosts, Crystal and Lizzie. Hello. And we have a special guest here. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Martin Liss. Uh, you might recognize me from many famous things, such as the Academy Award-winning director of Shadow and Shrek, where a jazzy performer... <laughs> I told you I was going to mention it. You're gonna you mention, had your warning. <laughs> you you mentioned you were going to mention a a shit post we did ye- like a decade ago now. It is one of the classics. It was pretty big on Tumblr, I will say. I mean, not well, that really Tumblr's really a thing anymore, but <laughs> Anyways. Man I, man, I went from being on Tumblr to voicing on voicing in Yowie. That's fun. Speaking of things that are unintentionally gay. <laughs> Is it time for the segment? Might as well get it over with, because quite frankly, I don't have much to say about this movie. (laughs) Oh boy, we started. Okay, I'll be on my way out. (laughs) All right, well, it's nice meeting you. Have a good rest of the night. All right, all you (laughs) listeners, thank you so much. You got so much better things to do. Get the fuck back (laughs) in here, you Transformers-loving piece of shit. Listen, you cunt muffin, I will do anything for you, including (laughs) being on your show. Don't worry, Martin. I really don't have much to say about this movie. But yeah, so. You know, I always enjoy good bitching. (laughs) I'm just going to say this. I humbly request that this next episode, since we're doing parody titles of Fast and Furious, this one be called The Gay of the the Geekiest. All right. I'm going to write that that down so I don't forget that. That is is my only request. I will will humbly make sure that that happens. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh. I watched The Fate of the Furious. Um, as if you listened to the last episode, you know I cried my eyes out over the last movie. Um, and that I also expressed some skepticism over this one because I was worried of how the franchise can continue with one of its lead stars dead and like ending like with the last film ending on this really fucking good note. And uh that skepticism was warranted, though I was still entertained, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know. Like, The Fate of the Furious wasn't bad enough for me to bitch too much, but it wasn't good enough for me to praise to high heaven. I kind of liked the begin. I really liked the beginning where, like, Dom is just racing this guy, and then he doesn't accept a car because he's like, yo, your your respect is what I need. That's all That's all I want. That's, that, that's a good enough reward, you know? And that was a good bit of character growth on his part compared to the first movie. And then... The second act was fucking boring. And, like, it had like it had an interesting idea with the fact that Dom now is... Go- this guy who's always kind of valued family and loyalty and so forth is now going against the very things that he's just held so close. But the reason they give is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life, and it feels so contrived. And not in the fun, dumb, fast and furious way. I mean in the, why did you write this way? Yeah, I, I I I will say that I do like this movie, but it's definitely was kind of a step I wouldn't say down, but like a step sideways in the trajectory of the Fast franchise, mainly because it doesn't have Juan or Justin Lin, you know, doing it. F. Gary right. Gray came in and he's a good director, but um right. it's it's weird. I think we brought this up last time, but like how like you felt that seven wasn't nearly as good as like let's say five or six, and I think mm-hmm. that also has that to play with the with the fact that it's 
I mean, like, it's a different director. You're getting a new person working with this right. cast that's kind of already formed this familial bond. And it's a different perspective on doing that. Um, mm. So I, I feel like that's probably why maybe, like, Seven is, is still a really good movie. But it definitely, to me, I didn't, like, enjoy it as much as Six. And kind of like the same thing about Eight, where it's not nearly as good. Um, but I still feel like everything past five is fun. Like, at the very right. least, the movies are fun. Even when it, they get weaker in the, like, in certain aspects, they're still fun. I'll, I, I'll, I'll say this. Like I said, this movie had its moments. I liked the opening race scene. I liked the prison riot scene with uh, Hobbs and Shaw, which, that'll funny enough, that's the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> they were definitely... They were definitely doing something, though, um, right? Yeah, uh, and I really liked the final action sequence in the Arctic and with the submarine. I thought that was great, and every bit with Jason Statham protecting that goddamn baby was so much fun. Oh, yeah, that's that plane I'll, scene. I'll, I'll say this. like Statham is better in this movie as an ally to the group than as an antagonist, I feel. Like, Which is I just, why, why they went that direction, I right, think. I just think he is a much better character, and it was so good to see Luke Evans again as well. Like, I was, that was, I was so giddy seeing him back in action. Um, And also, surprise Helen Mirren cameo, and that is never anything to complain about. Yep. Uh, I like Charlize Theron as the villain. I was happy they brought back Kurt Russell. Um, it is a movie that exists. It moved. It had moments I liked. It existed. I don't know if I'll rush to watch it again. It was meh. I'm probably going to enjoy the next two movies a lot more than this, honestly. Especially since I don't like having Dom as the bad guy. Yes, it's a weird... Well, yeah, it's a weird transition in that point. Uh, um, but so, I think you will enjoy Nine more. It's definitely... Not to, like, jump ahead, and I won't spoil anything in the slightest, but I do feel like because I bring back uh, uh, Justin Lin back to to direct it, it does have a feel that's a little closer to 5 and 6. Um, well, even yeah. if it may not be as, like, as great as those. It, it still, still has the same level of fun, I take it. Yes, yeah, it definitely knows... It knows when to get, like, emotional and dark, but it also knows when to just kind of, like, lean into the silliness. So, mm. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. I just, I, I kind of have a feeling you probably will enjoy it. Plus, you know, you already probably know from the posters, fucking John Cena comes, so. Yes! Jo it's funny, because Hobbs and Shaw, which is the next one I'm going to look at, yes, has Idris Elba. Shaw, yeah. yeah, has uh, Idris Elba, and this next one is John Cena. It's like, we're just going to get the entire fucking suicide. So that's yeah, it, huh? This is some kind of suicide all... squad? Yep. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw is fun. It's, it feels, I love it feels Hobbs and Shaw. It feels it's different from favorite. the Fast movies, but it's 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 got some similar components. I, I hope it, I am hoping for something different. I am actually happy that Hobbs and Shaw is next because I think another reason why I was kind of not as big into Fate of the Furious as I was the other ones is I think I'm going through burnout on this franchise. <laughs> no pun intended. Oh no! Definitely, the pun was intended. I know you planned this. I know you, Jazzy. I think you were watching. You're watching it like week to week versus yeah. every couple years when it was released. It does make right. a difference, you know. So, but yeah, I am consuming the property. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I am looking forward to Hobbs and Shaw. And I'll also say, I want if we're doing spinoff films on these franchises, I want one focused specifically on the Shaw family because Jason Statham, Helen Mirren, and Luke Evans all kicking ass sounds like an amazing movie, and I want it. That that actually sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> I mean, right? I want that, and I don't even have any context of this film in general. Right? It's it's just it's you hear that concept, and you're like. That, that's that got to be at least kind of fun, if nothing else. I'd imagine that would be a heist movie at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, the Shaw family, they're a group of criminals, so... Yeah, make like, it like Heat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, every everyone in fast in the Fast Saga is criminals to some extent, but still, like, you get what they're I mean. Di- they're different sense. They're a different set of criminals. Oh, I'll also say this. Um, despite the fact that I did not care for the contrived reason of Dom turning evil for a bit, even though he wasn't really... And the fact that this baby suddenly exists because I guess, again, he and the Fast Five lady were a thing. Uh, when he named the baby Brian, I my heart fucking melted for a second. Context, Brian is, an, is the name of Paul Walker's character. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, don't do that to my heart. Yeah, like as soon as that happened, I was like, like suddenly all my cynicism for a brief second, just right as the movie ended, just gone. So... I'd say I would I wouldn't say this was a bad experience. I'd just say there's a lot there's a car alarm going off in the background. God fucking damn it. Anyway. How ironic. Listen, <laughs> my my girlfriend is gonna be here later taking a shower while we do this, so don't even feel bad about that. I'm gonna ruin all of our audio. But yeah, so yeah, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. I'd say it's just a movie just trying to figure out what to do now that it needs to go on without Paul Walker and more or less have Vin Diesel as the major focus here. We apologize to our listeners about the fucking car. Wait, did it stop? No, it's still going. I thought it was for effect, like, you know, because we're talking about car stuff here. It's kind of fitting. Okay, actually, it's intentional. 100% intentional. We apologize regardless. (laughs) That's a very intentional apology. We apologize for the podcast. Uh, I'm, gonna so, fuck, so, I'm gonna fucking go out and scream to to someone shut that fucking thing off. <laughs> I need to. I'll have my mic muted unless I'm talking. All right. Uh, that said, um, I was just gonna mention like I haven't seen much of the Fast and Furious, but I do understand that like a lot of like emotional energy kind of went into the seventh one, especially with the passing of uh Paul Walker and everything. So I totally understand like you know if you're gonna be making a movie right after something that I guess felt a, so like a bit of a finale it's it's always like a weird step to take so yeah it's definitely a weird weird to go from because the franchise kind of like by necessity has to continue existing um and it's a cash cow i guess right right it's well it's 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 universal's like i would say besides jurassic world is like their only like property that's kind of like their big continual uh, blockbuster thing that they could they could squeeze money out of and yeah. and while I really really enjoy the se- series I understand the 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 realities of the financial situation and where where it lays in in regards to Universal like because they're definitely not the the number one studio making movies at this uh, point yeah right, I would I, say it's... go ahead go ahead I'm the Canadian you go first. <laughs> I was just going to mention that um, 
Yeah, because I mentioned in my live tweet when I was um, talking about Fate of the Furious that, um, and by the way, the car alarm's finally off, thank fuck, yeah. uh, that I don't blame them for continuing after Furious 7. Like, I may think it's a perfect ending to the franchise, but I get that these movies make bank, and I understand the people involved really like making them. So With the money. Yeah, so go nuts as far as I'm concerned. That's fine, and honestly... I'm still looking forward to what comes next because, I mean, I've seen the trailers for Hobbs and Shaw. I actually wanted to see it when it was in theaters. I just never got the chance, so. It well, now like you'll a... have the full context. Yeah, and now it's gonna. I'm very excited because, I mean, um, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham were two, um, were two actors in these movies that I really fucking enjoyed whenever they were on screen. And, I mean, you have Idris Elba as the villain, and I'm all for Idris Elba as any character, so... <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, so the, on this, this for for to wrapping up our little Fast and Furious segment, you would say that, uh, what would you say overall? I, in terms of a score of one to ten, I'd give it a uh, six. Okay, that's fair. That's May, maybe yeah, a se- maybe a seven for the last action sequence because again, that was really fucking good. Yeah, yeah. No, their action scenes always are top notch. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. So, so Martin, um, one, I know that recently you were involved in a video that came out recently that gained a lot of traction. You want to talk about it? Ah, uh, yes. So anyways, uh, me and Jazzy were one day talking about making a script to, uh, to a project I was making called, uh, Cool Cat Gets an Enema. And <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong, wrong one, Martin. That was a true conversation though. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I reference cool. I reference the cool cat saves the kids a lot because of the memes, um, and it annoys the shit out of Martin, so he does. And I was just like, listen, Jazzy, I'm gonna be a big producer one day, and someday Derek Savage is gonna be desperate to have my script of Cool Cat Gets an Enema because I fucking hate that character so much. (laughs) You don't even like the there he is, man. I mean, he's fine. I mean, I got used to it. It's like it's kind of like you I know. I can't believe like, you guys are slandering Cool Cat. He just wants to help the children learn. <laughs> but he's annoying. He just wants to help the children learn. He's not creepy at all. There's nothing unsettling about a random adult man in a furry living costume. with Daddy Derek. Yes. Daddy Derek. I, I keep forgetting the funny name his character, Daddy Derek. <laughs> Guys, when it gets to a point where the original cool cat left because yeah. of the monstrosity that was made, it, it it makes you realize that you know, it's like it's like men who make these monsters, and it's monsters that you know have to destroy their create makers at this point. It's own little Frankenstein, Jesus. Anyways, uh, in are all we serious- getting philosophical about cool cat? Yes, we are. Okay, fair enough. This is this is one of my weird traits of bringing weird shit to the <laughs> podcast. Anyways, uh, we're gonna leave that talk for an entirely different episode because that's gonna take hours. Uh, yeah. So in regards to what Jazzy's <laughs> kind of talking about, um, yes, I don't I don't even know where to start. It was a pretty crazy thing. Uh, long and short, uh, me, another friend of mine, uh, Stuart, were uh, were uh, co-producing a uh, a big animation project by the name of uh, 
DKC Curse of the Crystal Coconut. And we we're both big fans of like the Donkey Kong Country uh Donkey Kong Country games, the first three, as well as like the weird, you know, CGI animated series from the 90s. It it just like brought a special cheese to our hearts. And you know, when you're living in Canada and having, you know, the like the the episodes appearing that often and watching commercials about, you know, the house hippos and all that weird uh don't you put it in your mouth weird stuff uh it's kind of become like uh it's kind of become like a classic of ours so we we're looking at this is like you know the animation is terrible like understandably it was like it was like they were trying something new for the time to like you know to like you know go on par with like how the donkey kong country games on super nintendo were like you know using like really high-end graphics but um we were just kind of like you know as terrible as it looks this voice cast is fucking fantastic and the songs are a real bop and one of the most popular songs that we know that was used for like a lot of memes was uh, one called Pirate Scorn, which was uh, sung by an original character there by, uh, you know, a big crocodile pirate named uh, Captain Scurvy. And um, yeah, so he like he like he always had some of the best songs in this in like the show. And, you know, lo and behold, years later, me and Stuart were just kind of, uh, you know, talking about it. And we found out that uh, one of the uh, bands that I listened to, a pirate metal band called Ailstorm. Uh, they actually did a cover of that song. Fuck! I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I love Ailstorm. Uh, <laughs> Ailstorm is fantastic. I love them. They're so fun. They're, okay. okay, listen. I was a couple last month. They were my first ago. concert, too. <laughs> my first concert was Hailstorm. With an H. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. We're living like different parallel universes here or something. <laughs> just slightly off-kilter lives. Uh, but I, I sat on a plane for nine hours last month, and I literally just listened to Ailstorm the entire time. I just put them on shuffle on put put them as an artist on shuffle on Spotify, and I just listened to that on the plane. Okay, well, you know, before I continue, Jazzy, does she know what the fuck I did? <laughs> I don't know if either of them know what you did. All right, all right. I didn't well, inform. Well, I know what. Okay, Lizzie, I think you're gonna be interested in this. Okay. So, found out we did the uh, Ailstorm did a cover of the song, and we we're like, "Yo, this is actually pretty damn good." And the 25th anniversary of the TV show's coming up, and the 40th anniversary of Donkey Kong is this year. We should do something with this. And you know, with my usual product, like the way I wanted to, you know, kind of work around like my uh, banner of bootleg dubs is uh, we wanted to do like more so dubbing content of like foreign material or stuff that didn't have like a good, uh, you know, didn't ha- like had it didn't have like the best voice acting involved. So like my initial plan was just like kind of going into like, you know, or like, you know, for a material that was like media based off video games and stuff like that and just kind of you know, dub over it, give it proper voice acting and like, you know, have it like acknowledge like it, something a little bit more for fans. But we kind of, me and Stu were kind of discussing, we wanted to maybe take it a new route and do an original animation. And because, you know, my, like my first production that I did with uh, F-Zero, I focused a lot of it on sound. And with this one, it's though I just kind of wanted to see what it'd be like working with something like full visual with this. And so we teamed up with uh, this one, with this one awesome individual. Uh, he's an animator that goes by Alex Henderson. And uh, fun fact, he actually went to the same school as I did, and I, you know, found that out after talking to him like a little bit because uh, Sheridan over here in Canada is, you know, very, 
is very well known for its animation program to the point where like Pixar gets like their interns involved from here and there. So they have like a lot of like high profile like people that are there. And yeah, I we, went- uh, we actually had a uh, Victoria Urkels Ur- um, on the um, on the show at one point. The girl, the lady who did uh, Rogue Robots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was also in, from Sher. She also went to Sheridan. Yeah, all the animators seem to have gone from Sher. Are Canadian, like you know, that's kind of special. It's great, but uh, yeah, I went to I went to Sheridan for like business and like another campus, but you know, it was a good icebreaker. And we were talking, and we knew that uh, he initially, like they did like one of those uh, don- like you know those reanimated uh, like segments for like one episode of like Donkey Kong that you know eventually kind of like was shut like the project was canceled but we saw his test footage and we were like yo this guy could really do something and we really like his style so we kind of watched like a little bit of like his stuff here and there and we contacted him had a chat and he was all on board and honestly if there's one shining star in in regards to like this entire production alex was uh you know an absolute fucking king when doing this like we he was making like like you know we obviously like we're working with uh financing the thing and you know getting the talent together and getting things approved and you know all that crazy stuff like you know a producer does but um you know alex like with his effort and animation he he was like you know he, he was like the fucking thunder that made this thunderbolt that made this work uh he uh they like the models are phenomenal the style was great the fluidity so we worked with him and what we essentially did was uh having our own little um, animated music video that would combine both uh, the Donkey Kong Country animated series and the games and had basically Captain Scurvy uh, come back and we all put it to the cover that Ailstorm had of Pirate Scorn. And people were all fucking over it. And (laughs) we had so many people messaging because, uh, you know, for the longest time, like that kind of stuff was like, you know, for memes, but... There was some genuine heart in the show and like some of the music that music that was made. So when people started seeing this, it's like, holy crap, I remember this from my childhood. I can't believe it's reimagined like this. And people are like, like the comments were just heartwarming. We had like some big people actually notice us. And uh, I was kind of surprised. Like, I mean, like I didn't like follow much of them, like uh, a bunch of them, but I kind of knew they were like a big deal, like uh, someone from Game Grumps and like Completionist, I think. And. We had a few Rareware employees, and I think, like, one of the animators from, like, uh, Disney kind of took a look at this. And I hope he notices it pretty well, because I really want to make sure Alex gets work out of this, because, my God, he he really needs to be hired for more shit. But anyways. I actually looked it up, and you you guys actually got mentioned in an article by Destructoid, so. Oh, yeah, the Destructoid article. I was just like, wait, people are writing about this, too. Shit. And it's been three days, and it's, like, at, what, maybe 60,000 views right now, and... It's kind of amazing, really, like, we just kind of went all in on something like this, and it was seven months of production, I think, or eight. I kind of lost count because I know I was taking a bit of a break after getting the F-Zero project out, but, yeah, we just we just really wanted to be, like, we want to raise the bar with every project we kind of do. So when we went all out with this one and people saw, like, how crazy good it was, and um, the reactions were fantastic, but I think some of my favorites were... um. There was this, uh, there was a mutual of my friend Stewart's who uh, saw it, and uh, you know she had a friend who was on the spectrum, and she's uh, like, from my understanding, she was in like, she's like very like, she's uh, she's uh, she's uh, somewhat depressed and kind of pessimistic with things, and apparently when this thing released, 
and she actually learned about it she was like that was like the most positive she has been in years and it just kind of warms my heart that this could like stuff like this could like lead such a positive impact for people of like all ages and, and like all all people and it's like if i could get like you know one person you know seeing this seeing what me we made in this kind of light and just and just react this way it's like i feel like that kind of stuff is totally worth it and again i don't do this for profit i just do it because i just like sh having this stuff be made and maybe i'll make a portfolio out of it and become a pro professional producer down the line but and i just like doing these things for fun and this was was like my it's my current magnum opus i would say it's uh, i loved everything about it and the way it turned out and God, it was fantastic. And I I was listening to like Ailstorm for like five months in a row, just getting myself prepped up and trying to understand everything we were going to do with this. <laughs> it was nuts. Uh, I was, yeah, I was doing like all the uh, management stuff. Sturwood was obviously a little bit more on the creative end of things because he's uh, the bigger Donkey Kong fan. And Alex just made the magic happen. And we got our, you know, special effects, special sound effects artists from like, you know, our previous project, the Resound team, they're fantastic. And... Yeah, it was it was uh, it was like a little bit of a smaller collaboration in regards to people, but the impact was a lot bigger, and we we really made something beautiful in here, and I'm super proud of it. <laughs> That's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like I I swear, like you go big on a lot of this stuff. Like I swear, with um, when it, it's not just with Donkey Kong, but with the um, with the F Zero one, some of the people you got involved in that one were like, what the fuck, dude. <laughs> Uh, what can I say? I was, um, I mean, I went to business, like, I've uh, had a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of different, like, side jobs or careers that involved with me communicating with people on all levels, and, you know, it's all about, like, I guess, making that communication and, you know, finding that balance with people. Like, I went to business school, I did marketing, I did, uh, entertainment journalism for, like, you know, a few years, for a couple years, and interviewed, like, some big people, uh, you know, Cal Dodd, the original Wolverine, I had him do like a motion comic where he was reading off the old man Logan. Uh, yeah, that 90s X-Men animated series voice. Uh, I talked with Tim. I, I did like a Tim Curry and it was just like a bunch of like different variety of people. So I'm never too shy when it comes to com communicating. But it was a matter of me just kind of looking at this and I was like, I want to make this so much better and make it like a real tribute for the F-Zero one. I'm super proud of some of the people I got. Um. Uh, for those people that don't really know what we're talking about, F-Zero is like the game Captain Falcon is in and not Smash Bros, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Um, You're telling me Captain Falcon is from a different game? My life <laughs> is ruined. Yeah, a lot of people are surprisingly didn't know that when I told them about it. But yeah, I got the original Captain Falcon from F-Zero GX to make a cameo, which was really cool. Um, a, a, one of the uh, composers from an anime movie that was also about racing, Redline, we got uh, one of the uh, vocalists involved there, Veronica. Uh, bless her soul. She's a absolutely lovely lady, and we still hang out and, like, talk uh, talk about movies and uh, watch stuff with I her. Need too. To, I need to bring Veronica on this podcast at some She's point. She's fantastic. <laughs> absolute doll of a woman. Yeah, uh, like, I, I think she'd be awesome to have here. I think, uh, of course, I think the craziest one was... Uh, this was all during, uh, like, when I was working on the F-Zero project, this was all during the time when, like, the uh, pandemic hit. And there was only a few things that were keeping my mind sane. And that was around the time where I first got introduced into the Metal Gear series for myself. And I question why it took me that long. 
And my first game was Metal Gear Rising. And I love the music from it so much that I was I was crazy enough to try and contact the composer, Jamie Christopherson, and ask if he could do a couple tracks for this fan dub. And he said yes. <laughs> and and I'm like, awesome. I'm like, I made the most expensive fucking fan dub in the world. <laughs> and it's probably one of the only like bits of fan content that I actually put my name under. And the biggest reason was because I wanted my name alongside the original Captain Falcon, Eric Kelso in the I, credits. Like, I, always, I always figured it was because that, you know, he played uh Ren from uh, Shenmue and you were obsessed with that game. <laughs> I mean, that too, because I fucking love Ren, and I love, and I, despite the game having shit voice acting, I unironically adore Kelso's performance, so. Yeah, Eric, Eric Kelso's a boss, man. I, I love him. I love everything that he does. It's cheesy, and, you know, it's, it's crazy. The man lives all the way in Japan, so me having to communicate with all these different people in different time zones, and having a nine-to-five job at the same time, it's, I, I, I basically didn't go to sleep until like four in the morning with some of these projects and expect myself to get up for like nine or ten to go back to work. That's how it is for like was like for F-Zero and that's how it was for the Donkey Kong project. Uh, if you notice, I mean, if uh, I don't respond to a certain time, chances are I might have ended up in a coma from lack of rest. But I'm catching up on sleep and I, I'm eating healthy and, you know, working out healthy where I could. So that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's kind of basically what it's been. It's, you know, work, working out, and basically doing weird, crazy-ass projects like this because, you know, I, I, I get pretty well-paid for my job, and I, I, I just want to kind of just get this stuff kind of made for, like, fans out there and, you know, just as much for anyone else. But, yeah, F-Zero and the Donkey Kong one are, you know, I'm very proud of, like, what I made with them and the uh, fact I was able to collaborate. I All our fans shocked. go to YouTube and watch those right now. Yeah. I am shocked that, you know, those are still remaining up just because, you know, Nintendo gets stingy on copyright shit, so. Okay, well, I could explain to you why they didn't take us down for these ones. Okay, so for F-Zero. It's because they Nintendo don't give a shit, shit about them. <laughs> no. <laughs> they forgot they were a property. So I don't think they care. And even then, there's, like, always weird copyright matters when it comes to TVs, and, like, shows and Nintendo, like, what they kind of base it off. Because it's a bit of a toss-up of, like, who actually owns what. And I'm pretty sure Nintendo doesn't even remember they have an anime of F-Zero. <laughs> like, no I don't one. Think, does, does, does Nintendo even remember that F-Zero exists? Does They don't even acknowledge it ever. And it's, like, one of those franchises that Nintendo, like, made, advertised the shit out of. It went well. And then they just fucking forgot about it. I mean, it's not... I don't think it went well, is the thing. Like, it, there were great games, but they had, like, a two-year span where they basically released the most expensive collaboration between Nintendo and Sega, made an arcade spinoff off of it, made a 51-episode anime that really didn't go anywhere. Uh, like, that, like, that's, like... Pokemon is probably the only other uh, anime off Nintendo that I know actually has that many episodes. It has and, even more than that. It's still going. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. And it's just like, you know, they made like two anime games, like two games based off the anime. And, well, you know, not, none of that sold well. So I'm pretty sure Nintendo just kind of saw it as like a lost cause at that point. So I kind of understand. They just keep using excuses uh, like, uh, oh, we want to get like a, a, a special controller for this. And like, this is F-Zero, not Mario Kart, man. <laughs> I'm just I'm just sitting, you know, mentioning that Pokemon is still going just made me realize shit. I've lived through 
Pokemon, the anime coming out. And now I'm at the point where I know people who have voiced in it. And I'm just like, shit, I feel old. Crazy, right? But yeah, that's the case for F-Zero for Donkey Kong. Um, I mean, uh, the other thing we kind of notice is uh, Nintendo more so goes for uh, emulator, like emulators and, uh, you know, fan game stuff like Project M or, you know, that Metroid Return to Samus remake. Yeah, yeah, uh, AM2R. Yeah, exactly. When it comes to, like, original animation, you kind of see, like, enough of that going around, you know, like, uh, MASH or, you know, Dorkly's material. It's just, like, you know, that that kind of stuff exists out there. With us, we kind of wanted to do, it's like, uh, we want to go all out, have it seem like our own thing, and uh, kind of treat it as if, uh, what if it was, like, basically a high-quality Disney animation? That's kind of the vibe that we were going for, and it was really, it, it, I I, I like maybe Nintendo has noticed it, maybe not, but uh, you know, if they if it gets taken down, then it's gonna be a lot of angry people. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> people get angry. Yeah. No one ever gets angry on the internet. What are you talking about? Oh, no. absolutely not. The internet is the calmest place to ever exist. No one randomly screams at you for for no reason. They don't. No one. No, that has never been known to happen. No one hurls insults at you for being the trans. Or the women's. Or the trans women's. Or or the the trans men. Or the queers. Or non-white. On behalf of cis white men everywhere, I apologize. Shit, I just realized. Yeah. Thank you. Your apology is not accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. Don't worry, we're, we're making this the gayest episode to compensate for the fact that Martin is straight as can be. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, okay, then let's talk, let's, let's talk about it being bi-visibility bi- week then real quick. I'm yes. here. I'm Woo! visible. Be aware yeah. of my existence. Hell yeah, existence! <laughs> I exist, guys! Yes. Fuck by, yeah! In, in all seriousness, by bi erasure is something that's super shitty and it's awesome to celebrate by by people like lizzie here hi hi hello hello i get to be the center of attention for a, a whole minute hang on yes oh wait i have i have uh, i have several questions um <laughs> what what is it like being a uh a bi oh, uh, a, a bi um well, it's fun most of the time. Okay. It's fun when you're around other bi people. Okay. Um, especially when you're dating each other. That's a vibe. Uh, you're going to... Uh, the, the, the real downside comes to when you're being uh, mocked and dismissed for your sexuality, both by the straights and by people who are supposed to be in, your commu- be in the same community as you, in theory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most, here's, here's the thing. That's. Oh, I, I was mostly joking, but now I'm about to get all serious. So sorry no, no, that. we are allowed to be serious. Yeah. Um. It's very. It's uh, honest. Honestly, upsets me more. Uh, when I experience that from other members of the community, of the queer community, than when straight people do it, because I don't really care what straight people think of me all that much. Uh, they can they can be annoyed or grossed out or not believe in my existence like I don't care, uh, but when people who are supposed to be like my safe place and my community do that to me, it's a lot more hurtful and it tends to be a lot more upsetting. And I have my first girlfriend presently, 
after mostly dating men my whole life. Uh, and hey, hey, hey. Yay, yeah. Woo-woo. But the thing about that is I've just really visibly observed how the act of having a girlfriend radically changes the way I'm interacted with by other queer people huh. online and in life. And I'm, tr- I'm treated so vastly different because of than I was when I had a boyfriend. And it's sad and it's noticeable. Like, I can tell. I can feel it. Do you uh, – in – so we're gonna get we're gonna get real with this. Uh, I guess the question I have in in which way do you do you feel it wise? Do you like do you feel like that people are more negative because of that, or are they more positive because of it? Like it's, uh, it depends on what context you're talking about. Um, okay. I find people don't want aren't as eager to like people like within the queer community mm-hmm. when you're having arguments with like say. You know, say you're arguing with a turf, right? Turfs are rarely super far away from the the biphobia is always there too. Like say yeah, you're arguing when you're arguing with people like that from within the community, um, they are so when because I'm not shy about the fact that I have a girlfriend. I've got that posted everywhere. So if we're having a back and forth on social media and you scroll through my profile for more than like 0.5 seconds, I'm caught. You see me talking about my girlfriend. So people are a lot like, I just noticed this, do not argue with me about it as much because they don't, like, the comeback I would get is that, like, oh, so you're the you're the cis white bi girl with a with an ugly boyfriend. Like, people would say that to me. Because yeah, they love that. They love to just insult the person you love. Like, that's not being a dick regardless of anything. Right. But, like, they can't say that to me. They can't accuse me of being the fake bi person. They can't when I'm sitting here with a with a girlfriend. It's it's so infuriating when I see shit like that because I remember there's something I remember. I used to be in when I was in college. I used to be in the um, in colors, which was kind of an LGBT support club basically. And um, I remember there was one student there who was bi who. She mostly dated girls through most of her life, and there was one point where then she, at one point she had her first boyfriend, and I, I was legitimately happy for her. I'd be happy for her regardless of who she's dating because that's fucking wonderful, okay? And she was just suddenly ostracized from the group. It was like – and that and that, I think that was kind of the turning point where I quit because I didn't want, I didn't want any part of this bullshit where – that's where you're shameful. where you're part of the community until until you're going for until you're going for the opposite sex. It's such it's such a bullshit mentality and I don't care for it. And it's like I'm just sitting here wondering, well, I mean, why is this a surprise to you that she has a boyfriend? She is she is openly bisexual. She is probably well, she's probably going to date she's probably going to date a wide variety of people. Well, and this is one you want to and you want to be careful when you're when discussing this particular issue, mm-hmm. uh, because you don't want to veer into like you know lesbophobia either. But this is a, this is a problem in the lesbian community quite a lot. Which right. is the dismissal of of bi women's sexuality, and there's a really popular narrative about how your bi girlfriend left you for a man, quote unquote, and it's really really disheartening and it's really upsetting. 
and I don't think it's an I don't think it's a coincidence or an accident that my first girlfriend is also bi. Like we're we're in the same boat of uh, attraction and feelings. So, but it's it's sad and it's frustrating where it's like your sexuality is valid, but only if you are dating someone of who who is of the same outward gender expression. Yeah. Uh, because actually, I, feel like... I, I don't think I've made this clear on the podcast before. My girlfriend is actually, she likes to be called a girl for, my girlfriend. She's not actually a girl. Uh, she's a demi girl, and I, I love her dearly. Okay. It's good to uh, clarify. But yeah, sorry. Just to <laughs> it's all good. Clarify that. Uh, but you know me, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am a messy trans girl. I mean, like, I have no reason to judge. I, I mean, you're, yeah, I'm, I'm trans, I'm trans, and I also identify as non-binary, so I don't fucking escalate. Right. I am, like, I am in the lowest position to be giving a shit about other how other people identify. But yeah, it is. It's. Lucy, I think, I think. Unfortunate. I, th- I think it's a lot of insecurity that's being projected on. Oh, it abs- it absolutely is. It's um, and this is a problem that uh, kind of can transcend the community as a whole. There is a tendency to overly romanticize the idea of a relationship between two women, as mm. being this very idyllic cottagecore fairy tale, right? And being perfect. And there's a reason why we do that. It's to counteract the nar- the homophobic narrative that we were taught for so many decades. But what that when when you find yourself in a relationship with another woman and it just was unhealthy or didn't work out for the reasons any other relationship maybe is unhealthy or doesn't work out yeah like i think i, I think the defensive instinct goes there had to be a problem with that person it can't just be that there was something wrong with me it can't be that there was something wrong with the relationship your sexuality was wrong your you were wrong. You were wrong. Like it can't. It, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a know. position that that rejects an idea of self-reflection at the end of a relationship that you should do. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I don't uh, care for the stereotype that a relationship between two women is the most is just automatically by default by its existence is like this most perfect thing because as anyone who knows me can tell you, as Martin can tell you, because I have talked to him about this. I had been in an abusive relationship and it was with another, it was with another woman and it wasn't, and it was fucking horrendous. So, so yeah, if like if when I hear about the stereotype, like, oh, like all women, uh, women love women relationships are so perfect and shit. It's like, you it's like, you're full of shit. <laughs> Like it, it has the same. It's going. It has the same chance of success. It has the same bullshit as any other relationship. Unfortunately, humans are messy. Yeah, I think I think that's a good lesson that that we could all take away is that humans are fucking messy, regardless of gender or identity or anything. And it's terrible that we're. I, I mean, Martin and I can attest to the fact that we're both fucking messes, and all of our friend groups are fucking messes, and we all get along together. Yeah, I just always identified you as a jackass. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's not that's not an invalid way of identifying me. <laughs> Thank God, I could be I could finally say clean right now. <laughs> Look, I call you a slut. I call you a dickhead. I call you a bitch, and I mean it out of love, Martin. 
Jazzy, oh, I mean, you are I, a cock juggling thunder cunt, and I love you. <laughs> I mean, should 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 Lizzie and I just like leave the call? It feels like there's some te- sexual it, tension going on. It feels here. like you guys have your own little uh, deal you need to work this out. This is what happens when you delay this many weeks of our circle jerk sessions, Jazzy. <laughs> Martin, I told you, I have a girlfriend now. Things change. <laughs> Fuck it, no. No, no. No, this is just how we actually talk on a regular basis. When you've known some, each other for this long, it's just, we, we just fucking say whatever bullshit sticks to the wall at this point. And we just kind of treat it like, you know, like a Tuesday. Um, um, on a Friday? <laughs> oh, Martin, I wanted to tell, Martin, I actually wanted to tell you, I, I can't believe I forgot to mention this when talking about the movie. There was a scene in Fate of the Furious where, like, The Rock and Jason Statham had this bit where they were just insulting each other based on stereotypes of their country. Like, uh, The Rock called Jason Statham a tea and crumpet eating some bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, this is just how Martin and me interact, only it's a Brit instead of a Canadian. <laughs> no, Wait, there's listen. a difference. Because my fa- listen, I live in California, but I, my family's originally from in Canada, so that is such a mood. Holy shit! Yeah, like the never-ending no. roasting of you're from Canada, <laughs> I'm from no. America. Well, like, like um, you know how um Canada has Thanksgiving in October as opposed to the American uh. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Like um, Martin and I have a thing on that where I and it, when it, when Canadian Thanksgiving comes around, I. Tell him happy backwards ass Thanksgiving, and then when Thanksgiving in America rolls around, he'll message me saying happy frontward boob Thanksgiving. <laughs> Which Listen, is... Canadian Thanksgiving is superior. Because yeah, why are because y'all all the cool why are y'all making a whole ass turkey dinner at the end of November, and then like three weeks later you're doing it again for Christmas? Because nothing ever happens in November, and it's the only thing you really have is like a depressing <laughs> Memorial Day thing. Look, look, it just it, makes it, sense. October, it, it just makes sense. October has Halloween, November has Thanksgiving, and December has Christmas. It's a fucking trilogy. Let November be a break month. I don't understand. No, it needs to be the ultimate. It needs to be the ultimate trilogy to end the year. Okay. It is the ultimate trilogy. It just goes Thanksgiving, Halloween, Christmas. Well, no, it, 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 it goes Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Disgusting. Like, my girlfriend is looking at me so hard. Let me guess. Let me guess. Each season is going to involve watching Nightmare Before Christmas each time. Yes. <laughs> yes. It can. Like, I'm, at, I'm at a loss. I <laughs> well, it's kind categorize of categorize Nightmare Before Christmas as a Christmas movie. Fair. But um, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny because my birthday is always on the same week as um, Thanksgiving in America. And sometimes my birthday and Thanksgiving will land on the exact same day, depending on the year. And I was obviously um, I was living in Vancouver at one point for six months. And um, the one thing that was very funny about that to me was celebrating Thanksgiving in October and not having it anywhere near my birthday. (laughs) Oh, did that yes, you got a free, you got a free dinner. What are you complaining about? I'm not complaining. I think it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it was kind of refreshing not to have it the same week as my birthday. Listen, my girlfriend's birthday is three day, the four days before Halloween. Um, I think she feels the pain. <laughs> there. Like I knew someone whose birthday was Christmas. So. <laughs> oh yeah, my cousin's birthday is Christmas. Oh geez, that's gotta be. But no. 
one of my old it. friends also has a birthday on Christmas, so, well, uh, and he this. only gets half the presents. No, I love my cousin, but my cousin's dad spoils the, my uncle spoils the shit out of her. <laughs> in, a, in a good way, in a loving way, in a way that is not bad. She is a wonderful, hardworking, successful person. I don't want that to come across the wrong way, but, like, she has never felt the absence of birthday attention because it was Christmas. Good. Right. I don't, I don't <laughs> Which think is anyone good. should. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's really not a need to feel bad for her about it, because <laughs> I don't think it ever negatively affected her. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it, it, it's always just funny to me, and again, like, having my birthday on the same week as Thanksgiving, and then suddenly when I'm in Vancouver, suddenly it's a whole different ball game on when Thanksgiving is and everything. Jess, you get a day off, what are you complaining about? I'm not complaining, Martin! I, th- I thought this was the Jazzy Bitches podcast that you kept hyping me up for. Like, listen, I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> listen, the point really is, um, the way because I'm a, we're a Canadian family that lives in California, when my family does Canadian Thanksgiving, usually, uh, not last year or this year for some, some obvious reasons, but usually we have, like, 50 to 70 people at my house. Like, we will invite, liter- we'll do it the Saturday instead of Monday. We'll do it the Saturday before, and we will invite, like, literally everyone we know <laughs> to our house, and it will I, be huge. I want to know how much you're investing on stuffing and turkey. Okay, we usually have two or three turkeys, depending on how many people are going to be there that year. Uh, but you mentioned... Um, you mentioned but, oh, and then people let, let her finish, things. Jazzy. Let her finish. I'm interested uh, in this turkey. There will usually be at minimum three pies um, and various other desserts. My mom makes uh, homemade Nanaimo bars. Uh, yeah, fuck yeah, right? And then we encourage people to bring food. There's just lots and lots of food. Everyone has to pitch in and help. Uh, so, you know... It's a fun gap, and also we don't all sit around a table. Obviously, I have a very we have a, my my parents I should say have a very big backyard, and we do it we get food buffet style, and like 50 to 70 people just vibe <laughs> in my house. That's some blessed shit over here. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned Martin that you thought this was the Jazzy Bitches podcast, and I was just gonna say no, no one's mentioned the purge yet, Martin. That's why. No. Oh no we're no not. we're not starting this. <laughs> We're not even starting. No. It's no no to- topic. <laughs> that and Star yeah. Wars, apparently. Fuck. I mean, we, Jesse, agree, Jesse, we generally Jesse. agree on Star Wars, so. That's true. Jesse. <laughs> Palindromes. Oh, the worst movie I've ever seen. You're really going to bring that up here? Who said I was? <laughs> you just what said it. You fucking. No, bitch. I didn't. No, I didn't. You can't drop a hint on a podcast with no context. You got to elaborate. Listen, all I'm saying is, you know, we're playing Counter-Strike now and the bomb has been planted, so... Uh, Basically, to give some context is that, um, so during my college years, um, one of the classes I took was kind of this experimental film class, and it was cool because we watched different films, like, each day and wrote about them. Uh, One of them was a film called Palindromes, which is to this day the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Like, nothing beats it. Though I will admit, uh, to talk about another thing we love bitching about, uh, I will admit if there's one film that kind of ties with it, it's to boldly flee. So, Oh, that's That's definitely... That's not even a movie. That's just a miserable experience. And I haven't even watched it to understand how miserable of an experience it is. 
No, like, it's like, it's, it's legit one of the, like, I'd say to boldly flee is probably just the worst when you consider the behind the scenes shit that went on with it. Uh, palindromes is just bad no matter how you consider it. I mean, it, I, Tamale Flea is still bad no matter if you know the context behind it or not. It just becomes worse with the context. I just think these nostalgia critic movies are just big ego trips that I don't have the time or patience to Listen, sit through. Here's what I'm going to say. I, I think that when people would, if you take an independently produced film off of the, and this is not me defending Doug Walker or Channel Awesome or any of that. But I honestly always find it really unfair and insincere when you take any movie that's, like, independently produced and made for YouTube and be like, this is one of the worst ones. I don't think that's fair. I never think that's I, fair. I, I, I would normally agree, but considering how much of an ego trip to Boldly Flea is and just how horribly everyone was treated, I don't think it's too unfair to say that it's probably the worst. Like, I don't All think right. it's too... I don't know. I think it gives... I think it also gives... In that case, also, I think it just gives too much uh, credence... To, to boldly flee like and I, I don't know i wouldn't have like you could treat the actors on this like if, let's say none of the abuse happened in a, a separate universe where none of the terrible onset things happened um i would not have expected to boldly flee to be better than it was i you're and that's, I just, that's that's fair but then you still have the fact that this movie's a fucking ego trip so Yes, it's very self-masturbatory. Like, yeah. It is, and that's what fr- that's what annoys me about it. Like, I hate egotistic. If there's anything I hate about a movie, it's when it's so full of itself. It's the Space it's- Jam 2 of internet reviewers. Oh, you mentioned that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> we also do not need to reopen the Space Jam conversation, which has been yeah, All right, all right. Okay. We're- we've, oh. already, we've already come on and slam, and we've already done the jam. Listen, the only thing that good that so, came out of that movie was what? that fucking McDonald's promotion they had for the McFlurry with the chocolate chip cookies and the Smarties. That was great. You raise that, a fair point. Anyway. Anyway. Any which way. I guess also, to me, what it comes down to is if I'm considering what I think is a good, the, the, the best or worst film I've ever seen, I tend to... I don't know. I don't think of those as independently produced films made to put made that are made purely to put up on YouTube I simply don't consider them to be the same like uh, and that's fair so I guess you, of art like yeah I'm talking about what's the best or worst movie I've ever seen okay so if you discount to boldly flee then yeah palindromes is easily the worst fucking movie I've ever seen because it I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast funny enough thanks Martin <laughs> you're welcome uh palindromes is more or less the antithesis of what I personally love about film, and it's why I hate it so much. It's a movie that thinks it's deep, but is as shallow as a fucking puddle. It has a gimmick that does not work, which is... So, okay, so the gimmick of this film, which is why I was interested in watching it during class initially, is that the film's divided into chapters, and in each chapter, the main character, this young girl, is played by a different actress. Like, the actress might be of different age, different ethnicity, different gender at one point. It's it's all up in the air. And I thought that was a cool idea. Shame the movie doesn't do anything with it. <laughs> it just exists so the film can have a gimmick. And this film is, like, one of the most mean-spirited fucking movies I've seen in my life. And it's not even mean-spirited in a way that's necessarily creative. It's just... It, it kind of just has this hatred of everyone that I just can't stand. 
And also some of the implications, which I won't talk about on this show because that would need a fucking trigger warning, I swear to God. Let's just say I had a vomit bag at the ready during the during the ending of this movie. It got that bad in terms of what it uh, covers. Uh. Like, um, it's just, it covers topics that are very tricky to get down, even in the hands of a competent filmmaker. And it doesn't have the intelligence to do so and treats it with so little maturity or nuance that it's like, why are you even doing this? And it does so, and, it, and is, it's consistently frustrating. The main character is unlikable and gets away with so, so much really bad shit. It's, it's a movie where I can safely say I enjoyed nothing about it. Like I, like, I try to think of nice things to say about movies, even ones I can't stand. Like, even when I can't fucking stand a movie, I usually try to think of one or two things that I got out of it that I could at least somewhat describe as positive. This one, no, no, I can't. <laughs> like, point a gun to my head, tell me to pick one good thing about it, I'd say pull the trigger. <laughs> I'm surprised you have not brought this movie up in the podcast because I know how much you like ranting about it. It's well, just, because I don't it, like thinking about it, Martin, because it makes me up. The movie makes me upset. It is a movie I don't like talking about. And keep in mind, I like talking about bad movies. I think bad movies are a good, are a fun topic to talk about. Jazzy, we have we have a very similar love of the room. Yeah, yeah, yes. I love I love the room because it is so bizarrely terrible that it kind of goes back around and becomes a masterpiece. And the story behind it is insane. Like I would it is. Yeah. the disaster artist. That book is phenomenal. It's it easily is. one of the funniest books I've ever read as well. It's it, I I love the Greg Sestro's experience and writing style on this all. It's it was great. Like, normally, like, even if a movie's bad, I may enjoy it just because it's entertaining and just how bad it is. You're talking to someone who, on at least a weekly basis, says how much of a misunderstood masterpiece Batman and Robin is, so. I mean, I. People are arguing against that. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin is the best one. What are you talking about? Listen. I am a huge apologist for basically for most things that Joel Schumacher does. Yeah, I should say, um, because I always thought because of Batman and Robin, he always got this really shitty. I don't. I am a. I have an extremely huge issue with the frankly abusive and homophobic way that nerd culture from the '90s up until like 2015 treated Joel Schumacher because they didn't like the bat nipples, and that was basically it. It's it's so weird how often these big pop culture films like have and still do get shit for, like, having anything that resembles gay shit in it. Like, you have the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, but um, I was talking to a friend of mine about the second um, Nightmare on Elm Street movie not too long ago and how that one got shit for being, quote-unquote, the gay one. It is. Well, it is. It is the gay one, it but, it's the gay also, one. but it's awesome because it is the gay one. But I, I, I will, yes. Yes, I will say correct. that it does, I do feel bad for the, uh, the lead actor who I'm... I'm blanking on his name at the moment, but yes, he and he's talked extensively about the damage that that did to his career. Uh, let me look up the actor's name. Uh, Mark, it, pa- Mark Patton was the yes, actor. Mark Patton. Yes, yes. He, uh, yeah, it, 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 as a, as a, as a closeted gay man trying to make a living in the 
80s while trying to also kind of not accept oneself exactly while also dealing with the AIDS crisis, having a movie come out with overtly gay themes in it and putting him at the center of it. Yeah. That was hard for him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, that's, that's certainly difficult and upsetting. Um, and also just on that subject, uh, I fully stand by the, I've discussed this before and various podcasts, including here, and I will talk about it again, which is that I am wholeheartedly convinced that a huge reason for the backlash that a certain subset of, like, white, straight, Gen Z men had against how much they hated Scream was the overt queerness of it. And the fact that it was a film, like, I feel like, because, you know, there's a subset of, of these guys who just hate horror in the 90s. They will call it, go talk about screen clones, which I've never considered to be a fair comparison, because very few of these movies follow the same structure as Scream, except for I Know What You Did Last Summer. Right. It was a, to- a tone thing more than anything else. And what they didn't like about it was the fact that it was a tone that was a very set overtly uh by a, a queer uh, screenwriter who would go on to write, like, Dawson's Creek and stuff. And I, I stand by the fact that that has a lot to do with the the back the backlash that that particular subset of horror fans had for Scream and for 90s teen, teen horror. And I fucking adore Scream, so... I adore Scream, too. <laughs> oh, it's a... Oh, my God, the gay Scream enjoy is- Scream. Scream is great. The only thing I do feel a little bit iffy about is they're kind of the reason why Hellraiser hasn't had any good films in a while. <laughs> Hellraiser hasn't hasn't had a good film since since part two. Uh, I think five was pretty decent, like as its own psychological film, really. I mean, but that's look, also not you're... the fault of Scream. That is the fault of the Weinstein's refusing to actually give exactly the give thing is queer artists. The, the space and skill and talent to make a good Hellraiser film. Yeah, the issue being is uh, a lot, like, what ended up happening, like, once they started going direct to video kind of releases with the fourth one, that was kind of like a bit of a bomb in comparison. And the thing is, like, Hellraiser is w- really well known for, like, really pushing its R rating with its gore effects and all that stuff, which costs quite a bit. And when they kind of saw, like, Wes Craven making Scream, they're like, oh, kids like well, kids are much more interested in, like, the simple slasher mechanic, which is a lot cheaper to make and gets us more money. So every other Hellraiser movie pretty much since then <clears throat> has just been uh, basically a story based off of spec scripts that were, you know, unused, that have nothing to do with the Hellraiser. That didn't have that yet. Well, exactly. Yeah. They would grab random spec scripts that weren't going to cost them a lot of money, and they slapped the Hellraiser name on it, like... Exactly. That's kind of what it went down. incredibly stupid. It does, but but surprisingly, Inferno was pretty decent, in my opinion, but the rest were very... That goes back... I I think that that all ties into the same point, though, is that I think that the... Hellraiser is an unabashedly queer horror franchise. Yeah, that too. And when you remove uh, that element from it, it simply doesn't work. You're taking away so much of what makes it unique and special and what gives it so much of its depth... Yeah. Also, Clive Barker's voice. I mean, you gotta. That, I mean, that's 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 what like built it, right? His yeah. his voice, his perspective, his story. Like th- the reason why I love the first movie so much is because it's so him. You know. Yeah. The the only thing I would say is as much as I love D- uh, Doug Bradley in the role, 
Uh, I kind of wish there we had the opportunity to see the female pinhead as it was in the Hellbound Heart book. Me too. Because I feel well, like at the time there weren't enough like female, uh, you know, horror icons. And I think maybe with the, the fact that it was male dominated with the likes of Jason, Freddie and Michael Myers, like they weren't ready for it. But I, but like, you know, they're talking about like a reboot or a shooter uh, or a show or something. I would love to see the, you know, female yeah. help. Well, I have, I do, I do have two, th two things to say on that. Is that Pinhead, like, and and, and they're not, the character is not called Pinhead in the book. Like, yeah, that was, so, like, that was literally the name they gave the, it from the fans. By the costume designers on the, on the, on the movie. But um, just for ease, we'll just refer to the character as Pinhead because that's. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, in the in the book, is um. They're largely described as kind of androgynous, but more female presenting. Like they don't really assign the character a gender so much, which is part of what makes it so so queer, is the fact that the Cenobites really don't have much, don't have to have a gender assigned to them, or they can be fluid in their gender presentation and exist. And that that's part of what works about it. But I agree with you. It would have been nice to see have a more female presenting actor for yeah. that part. I, I, I will say it's been a very long time since I've read the books. I just remember discussing with my friends that it was yeah. seemed to be more female-oriented. So I just want to thank absolutely. you for correcting me on that. <laughs> oh, of course, it's totally fine. They do. They specifically describe the character as having breasts. Yeah. That's a specifically... Sorry, The Hellbound Heart is one of my favorite books. I've read it a lot. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a great book. It's a very great little novella. Yeah. But that's, like, that's part of what was so queer. Because Clive... This is the thing people forget. It, Clive Barker is not in, and obviously, I don't, not you guys. Like, I think you guys are very aware of this, but like, Clive Barker isn't just like incidentally gay. Clive Barker's experience as a queer person in the 70s and the 80s that existed in the kink queer underground world that people like him had to live in at that time is everywhere in everything he writes. It is the, the lifeblood of his of his stories and his writing and his characters and when you like I said when you remove that and you just put the coding on top with so many of the Hellraiser sequels it just simply doesn't doesn't work you can't you cannot examine these texts separate from the queerness that created them. Yeah, I, I and I I love the I love the films as movies, but I've spoken with like a lot of. Uh, you know, individuals in the community that identify based on those kind of uh, texts and what it, it would like, the kind of symbolism it gives off to. So I definitely understand where it's coming from there. And I think being queer, you can't di di divorce that from your work, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's inherently you, right? Like, there's no way to get rid of that. And I think... Well, <laughs> yeah, I could, I could say that from experience. <laughs> like I like I'm not a I'm not a writer by trade but like I mean in performances I've heard people like say my performances do have this queer energy to them even if it's like unintentional and I'm like yeah <laughs> I always joke that if the character isn't already written to be gay give me a few lines they probably will be <laughs> Jazzy in every project you have done that I just call it like the chaotic queer energy of jazzy that just takes over the characters i'm like well i can't write shit anymore it's, it's jazzy's character now <laughs> i'm just i'm just flashing back to memories i have sorry i have to share a little bit of an egg 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 crystal uh stories that 
before I got a story after this. <laughs> before I was, you know, actually accepting of who I am and not like actively trying to push it down to like the deepest it could possibly be, um, and not really getting it, I would I would write stories and character in, in like short films and stories with female lead characters, and I would just like like try and convince myself that I was like. I mean, they're just more interesting to write. <laughs> Not that it wasn't any sort of wish, wish fulfillment <laughs> fucking trans, you know, sign. <laughs> it was it was me, like, just desperately trying to convince myself, like, that I needed to stay in this little tiny bubble because it was safer. And oh God, there's a lot of really fucked up things that's growing in, up in the society and like being afraid of hating oneself but yeah I, I i i did a lot of that stuff that i look back i'm like holy shit like it was just yeah there. <laughs> like it's it's funny like um in terms of like my own experiences on that like um uh i don't know if we mentioned this one Luc- any of the either time lucia was on the podcast but um one thing that was funny to where this kind of whole, like, idea of me always playing queer, despite, you know, like, even if the character isn't written, isn't necessarily written to be, or it's not a huge element to them, is that when I was cast as Teenage Harvey Dent for Batman Athenaeum, uh, I was made aware that the character was written to be bisexual. Like, this was, like, the first thing I was told. But, I didn't need any more context after that. I, I already know. No, I didn't. <laughs> And, like, the way I played it and the fact that I did, there were some lines I kind of took to him kind of being kind of flirty to Bruce Wayne. like, And I kind of ran with the idea. Then the character's bisexuality became a big part of the character. And it's something that the actor who plays him as an adult kind of had to, like, take from me. So... It also made me sad that I had that I had to like stop playing the character once he reached a certain age, because it was like, oh, I like I like playing the queer character. I like I like pl- I like playing bisexual Two Face. All right. Well, since we're on the topic of Batman and Jazzy doing stuff, I kind of wanted to share the the day me and Jazzy kind of met. <laughs> oh <Okay>. no! <laughs> this was. Uh... <laughs> It was it was definitely one of the most memorable interactions ever. So this was back in like what would you say, Jazzy? Like 2010, I guess. It's I wanna, hard to say. It was a long ass time ago. Keep long for time full ago. full context. I was a fucking idiot. Listen, I was a fucking idiot too. Okay, Same. we were all idiots. That's that's how the <laughs> like, world works. Basically, what happened was I got cast um, in something. Jazzy, I thought I I, I wanted to say. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't know this was bu- this. You were just gonna Listen, recite the whole I thing. Let you, I let you ramble about Fast and Furious all you want. Fine. <laughs> go and tell the story while I go hide. Jazzy. Oh, this, I'm, I'm so ready. Around. I'm, okay. I'm so ready to hear this. Okay, so this was way, way back when uh, you know we were both kind of starting to go into like voiceover stuff, and. Um, yeah, the way it was working, we were doing, we were probably using uh our microphones were literally like the microphones that were used in like rock band or guitar hero. Those u- weird USB ones that we did all of our voice uh, voiceover things. So 
around the time I was part of this thing called, uh, I was asked to like, uh, like this is like probably like one of my earliest roles and it never went anywhere. But I was asked to voice, I think, Black Mask for like an under the Red Hood abridged thing because, you know, everyone wants to do a fucking abridged series out of something. Thomas the Tank Engine apparently had a fucking abridged series from my experience. But anyways, uh, so like, you know, I was like the the director of it was uh, clearly um, clearly a kid that really didn't know what was what he was doing and all that stuff. Um, like we were all inexperienced in, in some case. So he kind of saw like I was making logical points here and there and he kind of wanted me to like kind of be like the new like kind of help take care of like, you know, being like assistant director or something and I thought fuck it sure I don't know what I'm doing either but if it kind of goes somewhere cool and so I was introduced to J uh, to Jazzy at the time and she was playing Joker and uh I did so, bad so I asked Jazzy okay Jazzy um I like uh so I understand you're playing Joker could I please hear your Joker voice for this Jazzy did a Heath Ledger impression for 10 seconds. I stopped her and I said, you're fired. And then we became friends. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's, uh, and because afterwards, like, I didn't think much of it. I was just like, this kid doesn't know what they're doing with the voice. So, you know, like, uh, after, and then afterwards, I think you contacted me asking if I could be part of your Kingdom Hearts redub and wanted me to I voice. I, I am denying any parodies I've done for the sake of my voice acting career, Martin. So, so it was just, early. No parodies, never. So yeah. Kingdom Hearts parody? What's that? Point is, it never happened. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It was, uh, but yeah, the thing is, like, we just kind of started chatting after that. And we were just kind of like, listen, you're an annoying fucking shit. But I do see, like, I, 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 like, you know, I do enjoy hanging out with you. And afterwards, it got to a point where it's like me, my friend, and my cousin were playing Gears of War, and we kind of needed a fourth person. So I was just like, okay, I know one kid <laughs> that could join us. So I invited Jazzy over, and so we were playing, and then like 20 minutes in, my cousin messages me, he's like, dude, I muted your friend. They won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, that certainly sounds like And I'm like, like yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's Jazzy. <laughs> yeah, that certainly does sound like me. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, afterwards, we just kind of started getting more, like, a part of, like, uh, you know, we started, like, associated with, like, other people, and, you know, we kind of also, uh, you know, we're just, like, chatting about all the creative endeavors we wanted to go about here and there. Jazzy wanted to, like, go through reviewing, too. And, you know, afterwards, we just kind of grew and just uh, kind of realized there was, like, a lot more deeper of a friendship they're kind of going on and you know i was always welcoming and accepting and you know i just honestly consider jazzy one of my best friends in the community and you know as a personal friend so i just want to say that much i'm gonna fucking cry dude that's the point bitch <laughs> oh you asshole yeah yeah but yeah it's uh, kind of interesting how it went from a cringy joker impression to what you are right now, it's like the the growth is astronomical, and you you've done it, kid. You've you've no. gone fucking far. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's crazy, just because like yeah, I have. You're not the only person who's like, wow, you started off doing this shit, and now you're in this shit right over here. <laughs> like um, I remember Joe, who was in a part of those parodies that I may not or may not have been making at the time. I'm yeah, not gonna yeah. confirm it. 
uh, said uh, when I announced my cast being in the cast of Eternal Winter, he was like, wow, you went from shitty Sonic parodies. What's shitty Sonic parodies? What are you talking about? <laughs> to this. Well, we yeah, all got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, the like, first step is always not going to be the worst, but over time, that's kind of how we hone our craft. That's how what we kind of make our, to ourselves. Uh, I was part of a lot of like weird, silly projects here and there, and I kind of realized voice work, voiceover wasn't for me, but I have such a passion for like voice acting and animation. I kind of just started taking more roles as a producer, and now I literally made uh, like what I just released this week has been like one of the biggest things I never imagined I would be doing, and I think I'm actually considering a career in being a professional producer for animated stuff. Hey, you That's know awesome. you'll you know you'll always have my voice if you need it, so. Exactly, Jesse. And you're always welcome on this show to from to to promote said projects and future events, of course. Are you sure? Because I'll be taking like 59 out of the 60 minutes of this podcast. I imagine about it, or whatever the time limit was. Oh, hour and a half almost. That's time flies by. That's fantastic. Was it? But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's we like all, you know, I, <laughs> we all have those. I just was thinking, we all have those. As creative people, we all have those projects and things that we look back on and uh, are utterly horrified and or embarrassed. One hundred percent. I definitely didn't record rap music in my high school days. What? No. What? Are you um, kidding? I would have gotten wicked with it. <laughs> thankfully, my era of embarrassing internetness in high school was almost entirely via Tumblr. Which I have purged from the earth, so it's fine. Oh, don't worry. Tumblr purged itself. We all know what happened. I still have videos up from high school. What is that? Is there a fucking helicopter in the background? Oh, yeah. Sorry. We were in a Fast and Furious movie. Why are you so distressed with the Fast and Furious Oh, we're in a Fast and Furious movie? Martin, it's about family. It's about me noping the fuck out of this situation, cause <laughs> I'm not gonna listen listen to you talk about it for four hours. I'm in love with the fact that you noticed the helicopter. That is probably a good like. Oh, don't worry, I'm here. Several hundred miles but... above my house. But yeah, I was gonna say you haven't said shit about the giant hammering that's been going on in the background like this whole well, time. Well, because I don't want to be rude to the person hammering shit. <laughs> I mean, Jazzy's kind of used to what I'm hammering, so. Oh. Hey. <laughs> no, I'm a sad, lonely guy. <laughs> Girls, hit me up. My phone number is. One two three five 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 six seven eight. Lizzie, sh- that don't don't have them call my mom. <laughs> no, but live for real, because I'm never gonna be, because I can't. Think of a fake phone number on the fly. Eight six seven five three zero nine. There's only phone numbers real. that redirect to voicemail saying <laughs> you've been rejected. They're that great. That sounds real. Uh, when I'm giving someone a fake phone number, I will give I, I give like a combination of my family's phone numbers because I have like four phone numbers memorized and that's it. And that's that's three more than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe three and a half, just to be generous. I can't even remember my own phone number. <laughs> I'm assuming there's a 69 in there somewhere. Nice. Nice. Yes. 
See, that's how uh, that's how it's that's how we know when the nether, that's how we know when the weather's nice. Just check up the American <laughs> forecast system with the Fahrenheit instead of Celsius. It's gonna be nice. So. Yeah. Nice. I, I nice. found it creepy. We did that at the same time, Martin. But nice. You've been I doing don't... a lot of things at the same time. It was meant to be. Yes. Okay, you guys don't even understand my fucking that's a Raven future sight abilities. They're fucking scary. <laughs> Jazzy has enough stories. Do you stop in the middle of the hallway and look into a vortex in your eyes, mind? No, I just say some hor- some weird ass joke, expecting like some horrible punchline from God, and then it happens to come true a moment later. Yeah, like, like <laughs> Jazzy, you explained. There's way too many off the top. I'm, and, like, I'm tr- yeah, I'm trying to remember any specific one we had where you said something and then it turned out to be. Like, do you remember any specific ones? I'm trying to remember. Oh man, Dan, this is that awkward moment in the podcast where we're like, "Shit, we're we have a good story, but we can't remember a moment." It uh, happens so frequently, is the thing. It's just kind of something I've expected at this point. It's just a part of life. Like we, we would watch movies, and I would be like, "It's like this guy's gonna die, isn't he?" And it's like that was supposed to be the big twist, and I'm like, "It's just like maybe I've seen like movies too often, or maybe like events kind of happen like on its own, but it's." Man, I'll have to share one next time when I actually have have it off the top of my head. But we've had weird moments like this. It's kind of weird. It's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so that's me kind of leaving it off at a weird cliffhanger. Oh, I have an interesting story. Oh wait, I can't think of. One. We don't remember. We fucked up. Well, I have to go give my girlfriend attention. She's become my go-to excuse to uh. No, actually, I think this is a good, good length for the, you know, uh, for the show. Um, you know, hey. She said good for the record, but when I said that. Nice. L- Lizzie, you know, um, well, good for you. You look happy and healthy. Not me, if you ever cared to ask. I ask all the time, Crystal, please. <laughs> I did that song at karaoke the other night. See, now I feel like. Ever since I did that Paramore drop, I'm going to have to start, like, introducing songs at random points into the podcast just to see who notices. I will always notice. Is it going to start with a helicopter? Yes, it will always start with a helicopter. (laughs) Because I think my first first guess is going to be some Disturbed song (laughs) off their album. Wait, Disturbed, you said? Yeah, because they have, like, a couple songs that start with a helicopter. Yeah, that's true. As as a disturbed fan, yes. <laughs> and um with with my awkward reference to Olivia Rodrigo, um I think <laughs> I think we need to um <laughs> I think we need to like start wrapping up the show because it's it's been a blast. Um Well, so, you said you used to do rap music. You want to finish it off with a rap? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to hear awkward trans egg 2007, 8, 9, 10. <laughs> is that what the file name is called? Is it in Wave or no, MP3? No. It's on fucking YouTube, but I'm not going to link it. <laughs> I will find her. I will find her! <laughs> well, you don't know my dead name, so that's a good thing. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Oh god, now I'm just imagining you just being dragged away like in that scene, Hollow Man of Steel going, I will find him! Jazzy, 
that that's that's how I am when I'm trying to go through Pornhub's 2680th page, okay? Don't mock me. This is personal. I can't tell if that's a hammer or if that's just Lizzie and her girlfriend. It's Ooh. a hammer. Oh, no. Can it, can it oh. be both? It's a hammer. Oh. You beat you. You you governed your last school, Governor Cuomo. <laughs> What if what if the twist is they're using the hammer? I expect this. What are we doing with the hammer in this? I don't know. Hammering nails? Yeah. Because yeah, one of you is getting nailed. Is that a <laughs> fetish? I don't know, but I know I'm definitely not going to be around for Easter. Thanksgiving sounds good, but. <laughs> and um, thinking of and speaking of all the uh the fun sexy times it's time to start plugging so (laughs) (laughs) oh my no literally you invited i don't want to be friends with you anymore chris what what did chris say Okay, you can follow me at Lizzie Lemon Drop on Twitter or TikTok. I mostly talk about movies or bitch about whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm, too, I'm, I'm, too, I'm, too, I'm too frustrated by that, that joke. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Lady Jazzington. I mostly talk about trans pride shit and voiceover shit. Recently, I got to announce something that was both. I get to play. I get to play a trans character in an animated series. But yeah, like it was. It, it's it's awesome. I'm excited. That's awesome. All everyone, go check that out. Uh, Martin, you want to plug what what you have you've got going and all that fun stuff. Well, listen, I, I'm not into butt plugs, but... Not yet. <laughs> Why did it take uh, me so long to bring you here, Martin? Because it's your fault. <laughs> All right. Uh, you could find me at... Um, my main Twitter is MartinList93. Uh, that one's just more so my casual one where I'm just, like, either, you know, reposting, uh, you know, my supporting my friends groups or you get to see how thirsty i am and uh my much more safer safer uh you know bootleg dub banner is at bootleg dubs on twitter and my latest animation in the production you could find on alex henderson animation it is called dkc curse of the crystal coconut and it is easily one of the best projects i've ever worked in my life Please go watch go go watch that, listeners. Uh, I, I found it on YouTube, and I, I actually will watch it after after we're done wrapping this up. All right, uh, I want to hear a reaction now. I will. I will. Um. I will. I will. How about this? I DM you. How about that? All right. Cool. I just followed you on Twitter, so. Swell, swell. Um, and I am. One of your hosts, Crystal Williams. I am a writer. Uh, you can look at my Medium, where I write about social justice issues, trans stuff, and all that fun political stuff that this show often jumps into. But uh, you can. I'm gonna have a new article coming soon. I am in the midst of working on it, and it's a much more personal journey. So be on the lookout for that. And you can find my articles and my work by going to my Twitter account at Crystal W Rocks. Uh, you can you can follow me there and interact with me and say hi and stuff. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's all I've got so far. And you can all obviously also follow the show uh, at at Gals of Geekdom, <laughs> and you can find our podcast obviously wherever podcasts are found, and all that good stuff. But I think that wraps up another wonderful episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. Uh, thank you, Martin, for coming on and and dishing some secret things about Jazzy that everybody wanted to hear. <laughs> The pleasure is all mine. That's part. That's my part-time job over here. And remember, listeners, to uh, kiss your homies goodnight. I uh, will do. Obviously. And uh, we will see you on the next episode of Gals of Geekdom. Bye, everybody. Cheers. Bye. Fare thee well. Hobbs and Shaw next time. Woo! Woo! Plugging. <laughs> <laughs>